Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Fortman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Fortman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Whatever you got, and let's make our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally God and that harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. Remain standing. One scripture I want you to look at, 3 John 1, 2. Not the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but John towards the end of your Bible, 3 John 1, 2. 3 John 1, 2. We were here a little bit on Wednesday night. Again, if you were not here, you have to get that message. 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 3 John 1, 2, because you need to know the month you're in. You need to know the season of life that you're in. Here it is, 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? All things. How many things are you supposed to do well at? All things. Touch your neighbor say, no area should be lacking. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, and prosper here, don't get that twisted with just uh, numerical or financial or fiscal success. Prosperity is the Hebrew word shalom, meaning nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. You can have money, but be crazy, so what good is your money? He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? All things. Watch this. And he wants you to be what? Healthy. But watch this, just as your soul prospers, which means your life can only prosper to the degree that your soul prospers. Which would then also mean your family can only prosper to the degree that you prosper. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now that we will move and walk in what you have ordained today as we reset our families. We are in a reset, Father. That is a time of a transition, a time of new beginnings. We thank you for today. Taylor may customize this word for us, your people, that we will move and walk in what you've ordained. And we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five, two or three people say, reset your family, reset your family. You're going to understand in a moment why this scripture is so apropos to a subject about family. In this life-giving message series, we're resetting and creating new beginnings. And so far in this series, we've hit reset in ourselves. We've reset how we see success through the lenses of its side effects and through learning the ABCs and Ds of what we need to cut out of our lives to see success. We learn how to reset the right relationships and we learn how to reset our faith with the fast. And in this last message, uh, we learned how to uh, reset our finances. And Wednesday, we converged uh, the series with the month that we're in as it relates to uh, where you're at because this will be a September to remember. Just the name say this will be a September to remember. 
And I've already said it. I'm going to say it a fifth time. You must get that message. Uh, but today I want to teach you how to reset your family. And to start that, I want to pick up where we ended last Sunday as a reason for why many people fail to achieve a prosperity in every area of their lives. Now, please, again, do not just con- uh, think prosperity has to do with money. It's greater than money. It transcends money. It is shalom, a Hebrew word for peace, which means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Say, that's the life I was designed to live. That's not a life that's problem free, but watch this. When you're prosperous and when you're shalom, you realize that problems happen for you and not to you. You realize that opposition is for you, not happening to you. So watch this. Here's where we ended last week. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, you got to keep saying what you're being taught, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That's why I always tell you to get the CDs or get auto message through our mobile app because you cannot see manifest what it is you don't practice. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written it. For then, somebody say then. He says, after you practice what you've been taught, then you're going to make your way prosperous and you shall deal wisely and have good success. And in that verse, we see that God tied Joshua's prosperity to his ability to follow instructions from Moses because it was Moses that wrote the book of the law. Let me make it plain for you. This is why Jeremiah 23, 4 says, I will set up shepherds or pastors over them. Uh, I'm your pastor just in case you didn't know. Who will feed them, which means teach them, lead them, coach them, instruct them. And they shall fear no more, nor shall they be dismayed, which means stressed, discouraged, beaten down, or have breakdowns. Nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Say God said that. Which means if you experience fear, stress, or lack, it can always be traced to an ignored instruction from your man of God. And let me say it again in case you were wondering, I'm your man of God. And I challenged our church during this reset to not see the life-giving messages as suggestions, but to see them as the solutions you've been praying for. Somebody say, what I've been praying for, God is answering me now. The issue many people have is that when you pray, you have a a predetermined answer in mind, not understanding that God's not required to answer the way you saw it in your head. He's not required to answer the way you saw it in your mind. Sometimes you'll pray to get better and you'll think, wow, I'm just going to wake up and be better. But sometimes the pathway to get better, the answer to that prayer is criticism. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Sometimes you'll pray for peace and then people will leave your life. And you'll say, why in the world did they leave my life? Because God says, you asked me for peace. I just showed you who was raising all the hell in your life. Y'all not saying nothing. Sometimes you'll pray to have shalom. And God says, well, I had to get you above the snake line so that those snakes that were in your life sucking your shalom, they had to go. Touch your neighbor and say, he may not answer like you think. He may not answer. So you've got to see these messages. Don't just sit up and say, well, you know what? I don't really need to hear nothing about my family. That's your problem is you think you know how to fix you. And if you knew how to fix you, you would have fixed you a long time ago. You don't come in here just to get confirmation. You come in here to get revelation and information so that you can see God's divine manifestation in your life. So see the messages as the solutions you've been praying for. And when you follow the instructions, you can stand on the promise God obligated himself to. In Jeremiah 23, 4, he says, if you'll follow the instructions that the man of God I assigned to your life gives you, you won't have stress or dismay. You won't have fear and you won't have lack. Say no more fear, no more dismay, no more lack. You're not saying it like you're calling it in. So let me just go back to Wednesday. Put your hands out like this. Say, come here. Uh Uh-huh. Say no more fear. No more dismay, no more lack. 
which means you better start taking inventory of your life because it's only going up from here. You better start taking inventory of the people around you. It's only getting better from here. Put your hands out like this and say, come here. Yeah, no more fear. Say, come here. No more lack. Say, come here. No more dismay. If you believe it, give them a shout right there. So here it is to reset your family. Number one, accurately define your family. Bishop, why did you start with following the instructions? Because watch this. I'm getting ready to answer something that has more to do with you than it actually does to do with the people around you. But just follow me. Watch number one, accurately define your family. Uh, in the 1950s in America, advertisers began projecting what the image of the ideal American family was supposed to look like so they could populate the newly created suburbs. And culture has sold us an image of what family is supposed to look like. Uh, so many people end up chasing the picturesque American family, which is really introduced as a marketing strategy to sell things opposed to an actual biblical picture of family. Bishop, what are you saying? Consider this. Jesus didn't have the picturesque American family. Where was Joseph? Why did Jesus' brothers and mother have to show up to one of Jesus' crusades? Why weren't they already there? Why didn't Jesus invite his cousin, uh, many theologians believe, John to be part of his ministry? It tells me there was some stuff going on behind the scenes that the Bible never communicated to us. But even God didn't have the perfect family on earth. Even God didn't have a picturesque family on earth. So stop thinking something wrong with you just because you ain't got the picturesque American family. That's advertising, not Bible. Adam didn't have the picturesque American family. Uh, Abraham didn't have the picturesque American family. Paul's family was him, Timothy, and Titus. In fact, very few people in the Bible had what today is considered the American Christian family. And in fact, Jesus redefined family. Here it is. So stop thinking you're missing something in your life because you don't have the picturesque projection of what an American family is supposed to look like. What do you mean, Bishop, defined family? Aren't those the people with the same blood? No, those are relatives. Let me show you. Here's scripture. Matthew 12, 47. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Now, here's my question. If they knew Jesus was out speaking somewhere, why weren't they there with him? Watch this. If they knew Jesus was doing something, why did, why did he have to call them to get them to come and to help him? Then one said to him, look, your mother and brother and sister are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Watch this. They thought, watch this, tell him this, watch this, he's on his assignment, pull him out of it because we need to talk. He's doing what he was created to do, but we got some family stuff right now we need to handle. They were trying to get Jesus to put his family first before his assignment and he openly rebukes them for that. So y'all better be careful letting family folk make themselves first opposed to Jesus and his kingdom being first watch this he rebukes them touch your neighbor say he rebukes them but he answered look at verse 48 and said to the one who told him who is my mother and who are my brothers watch this look at me church notice the Bible says he answered and said to the one but the man didn't ask him a question he said look which means he was making a statement but implied in the statement was a question so Jesus answered the question that everybody else was thinking but nobody had the courage to ask what are you saying, Bishop? What they were really saying is, Jesus, what's up with this? Why are they trying to interrupt you in the middle of your preaching, in the middle of your assignment to try to talk to you? Why are they trying to pull you out of serving to try to talk to you? Why are they trying to pull you out of giving to try to talk to you? Why are they trying to pull you from the man of God you've been set under to try to talk to you? Why are they trying to distract you? 
That was the real question he was asking. And so when you look at verse 48, he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now, you have to just imagine uh, that's a very bold statement because Jesus is saying, who are they? This is Mary that carried him for, I just found this out, over nine months. I thought the whole time it was nine months. This is the Mary that carried him. These are the brothers that he used to get in fights with about who was the greatest. And Jesus said, just wait until I'm 30. And by the way, she's not a virgin anymore. She has some other cheering after Jesus. That's how he had brothers. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Look at verse 49. Watch the rebuke he gives to his relatives. Watch it. He stretched out his hands towards his disciples, 12 men, and says, that's my mama and my brothers. What are those relationships? Family relationships. So what was he really saying? Who is my family? This is my family. Which means for many of you under the sound of my voice, harvest is more your family than some of your family is your family. Y'all not saying nothing. Just follow the Bible. That's all I'm preaching to you. He stretches out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and brothers. What are those relationships? Familiar relationships, family relationships. He says, these are my family. In other words, he says, y'all are my relatives. He said, because you couldn't handle me being greater than you. Where's Joseph at? Why is he missing? It's quiet, church. He stretches out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my brothers, here are my mother. Look at verse 50. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, that is my brother, sister, and mother. He says, that's my, what are those relationships? Family. What did Jesus just do? He redefined family. He said he was more family with his 12 than he was with his mothers and brothers and sisters. So, Bishop Homer, what are you trying to say? You need to first understand who your real family is. Jesus redefined family and established the difference between family and relatives. Watch this. Based on the direction they were headed and the values. Watch this. They practiced. It wasn't about the values they uh, postulated to have. It was about the values that they actually practiced. Watch this. Take inventory of your life and look at some of the folk you've been calling family and look at Jesus, how he defined it, and you tell me whether or not you're dealing with relatives or family. If Jesus had to do it, touch your neighbor and say, you and I have to also. This is why some of y'all get caught up in crazy stuff. You'd be like, blood is thicker than water. The Bible doesn't say that. And you'll start making decisions out of some obligation to somebody that doesn't share that same sense of obligation to you. Because when you needed them or when they needed you, you were right there. But when you needed them, they were nowhere to be found because you're not dealing with family. You're dealing with relatives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you need to first properly define your family. Are we headed in the same direction and do we practice the same values? Because if we don't, we are not family. We are nothing more than relatives. And it ain't personal. It's just kingdom. Number two, a reset in your family starts with you. Let's say it like this. Say a reset in my family starts in me. Watch this. You are your most important family member. Because you're headed where you're headed and you value what you value. You spend most of your time with you, which means you're your most important family member. It's got quiet right there. 
Now, 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, inclusive of family, and be in hell just as your soul prospers. Just as makes that verse a mathematical equation, which means I cannot have prosperity, which is shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, uh, all is well, and all things, and be healthy unless my soul does it first. What's my soul? My mind, my thoughts, my will, my emotions. Check this out. The default nature, watch this, I'm going to help your neighbor. Does your neighbor say he's going to help us? I'm helping me too. The default nature of your soul is designed to protect you and comfort you. <clears throat> Which is the problem because your soul will turn on you. Y'all remember the movie I, Robot? You remember the movie I, Robot? Or, or, or is that what it's called, I, Robot? With Will Smith? All right. Or I bought somebody. Will Smith and some robots. Here's the point. They had a directive. And the directive uh, went something like this. That they were supposed to protect the interests of the humans. Eventually, the computer said, watch this, we've watched you and we discovered that we have to protect you from you because you, you're, you are your own destruction. So the robots turned on the humans. Some of y'all remember Terminator. And I ain't talking about this T3 and T4 and all that. I'm talking about the good one, T2. Touch your name and say, now that's the good one. Terminator 2, that's the good one. Schwarzenegger comes down, he's in the little thing, the little man with the little jelly arm that he could throw it out and put it back. That was the movie. Now, watch this, watch this. In that movie, uh, the whole premise of the movie, watch this, watch this. There's so many lessons I could give you that I don't have time to give them to you. Is that, watch this, a Terminator came from the future into the present in order to stop who was born from ever accomplishing what they were supposed to accomplish because they were going to deliver the people later. I could use that to teach you a principle that what you're dealing with isn't about where you're currently at in life. It came from the future into your present because it realizes you're getting ready to manifest and walk in everything God has ordained. Who are you? You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. So the problems are coming from the future. It ain't about where you are now. It's about the 10 you're stepping into. Watch. But the issue was is that the robots turned on the people. The, the whole premise was, similar to the movie I, Robot, or whatever it was, the whole premise was is that the robots looked and discovered, well, to protect man, we have to turn against man uh, because man is self-destructive. So watch this. The only way to fulfill their directive to protect them is to actually keep them from themselves. Check it out. Your soul is built the same way. If you were to flash your hand in front of your neighbor's face, what would your eyes do? Your eyelids would probably, probably blink. Probably. Now some of y'all, the way you got them eyes open, your eyes just would just be, some of y'all can see into the future. You understand? I'm just joking. I'm just being funny. Just being funny. Watch this. Watch this. If, 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 watch this. You ever, somebody maybe motion at you, maybe somebody was joking with you, jesting at you, like they were going to, you know, hit you or something, joking, jesting. Joking, jesting, okay. What was your natural response? Something to block, something to protect. The default nature of your soul is to block and protect and to comfort. All right, watch this. For some of you, uh, we're 14 days into our 21-day Daniel fast. For some of you, like, I thought I was going to lose some weight. Child, I'm gaining weight. Your body thought, watch this, that you were starving it. So to protect you, it, it held on to your fat. Until it realizes you'll feed it. 
you're not catching it. Bishop Foreman, what are you trying to say? The default nature of your soul is designed to protect and comfort, which is the problem because it turns on you. Watch this. It'll make you love those that hate you and hate those that love you. Because it's trying to protect, it's trying to create comfort. And so what it ends up doing is that you'll end up turning on you just like the movie, just like iRobot, just like Terminator. Your soul will start working against you. You'll start thinking stuff that isn't true. You'll start seeing stuff that isn't there. You'll start believing stuff that no one said. You'll start saying, you said this, and they'll be like, I didn't say that, but your soul turned on you. Our default nature, it's seen clearly with Adam and how Adam responded to those that uh, loved him when something went wrong. He ran from God, he hid from God, he blamed God, and he blamed others, and he didn't accept any personal responsibility, and it cost him everything. So says Genesis 3.23. His default nature, Adam's default nature, which is in us, which is why the Bible says you have to crucify the old man. That default nature will turn on you and then turn on everybody around you and then say, woe is me. It's quiet up in here. Now, watch this. Colossians 3.8. Stay with me. Because a reset in your family starts with you. You're trying to fix stuff around you and you need to deal with you. You're trying to have family meetings. You need to meet with you first. Because here's the deal. Why reset with the same jacked up mindset? Why reset with the same jacked up mindset? Why reset with people with the same mindset? That's why you're trying to reset with folk who are still on the first level. Colossians 3.8. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Watch this. Say put it off. Say cut it off. Say turn it off. Say reset. Anger. Wrath. That's hot anger. Malice. Malice is harm. Watch this. Because it prematurely concludes. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were telling me some things. I said, what? I said, what are you talking about? I said, that is not, what? And they kept talking. I just said, I just said, I don't know what planet you're on, and I don't, I don't know what you've been drinking um, that has D-R-A-N-O in it. I said, but I'm not sure where you're getting this perception of, of, of reality like that. Watch this. Malice prematurely concludes. Malice shoots first, asks questions to corpses. Malice, watch this. T touch your name and say, Bishop, send your Kool-Aid. I mean, I don't like Kool-Aid. What's the flavor? That's why I wore red pants today, so you knew I was all in your Kool-Aid. They turn red from your Kool-Aid. That's where it turned red. Now, watch this. I need you to get this. Watch this. Here's what malice does. You know what? So-and-so didn't say good morning to me when they walked past me. You know what? I knew they were talking about me. What? What are you talking about? You know, so, so and so did, 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 did. So there's all these premature conclusions. And so the Bible says that it creates harm because it prematurely concludes. Blasphemy there in Colossians 3, it means insults and disrespect. You, you watch this. You, the, it's very easy to insult and disrespect those closest to you. Because sometimes you want to inflict the same pain upon people around you as you're in. So watch this. You'll call yourself having a good mature conversation and throw insults and disrespect in there. And you'll be like, well, I realize you've been doing this your whole life, so you don't really understand. Well, you just insulted them and disrespected them and wonder why they don't want to keep talking to you. You'll be like, no, I don't mean no offense. If you have to say no offense, what you're saying is offensive. 
filthy language out of your mouth. Touch your neighbor and say, stop cussing. <laughs> now, that's everybody. We're going to have corporate repentance right now. Say, Father, forgive me. In Jesus' name. All right, okay, all right, all right. Now, watch this. Let's understand what it means by filthy language here because the use of profanity is cultural, right? And so in different cultures, certain words were considered profane and offensive to use. So it's all cultural, which means profanity is relative. The point was, is he said, what are you actually attempting to imply? He said, so what are you attempting to say? Are you attempting to insult, disrespect, knock down, beat down, break down? Because that makes it filthy, which means you may not have, quote, cussed, but you still cuss because your intent was to break down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this, because watch this. When you have a little bit of erudite nature in you and a little bit of intellectual prowess, you can cuss somebody out without ever using profanity. You can break them down to the last compound, and they didn't even know what just happened to me. Did you just cuss me out? I think you did. Now, watch this. Verse 9. Don't lie to one another. What's wrong? Nothing. Liar! Did I do something? You don't know? I says, for all you people who tell folk what you should know, let me just tell you what that is. That's passive aggressive. Well, you should just know. Well, evidently I don't. So learn me. Tell, tell me. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. And tell me if it ain't good enough for you. Tell me. Well, I says, touch your neighbor, say, don't lie. And sometimes, watch this, we lie because we, watch this, let's connect the point. Why do we do these things? Because our soul is trying to protect us. So the lie is designed to not reveal the truth because if we reveal the truth, we have to be vulnerable. And if we're vulnerable, you might have an opportunity to hurt. So your soul will make you lie, which is why the problem never gets fixed. And then you're mad because the problem never gets fixed, but it couldn't have got fixed because you lied about what was really wrong. It's quiet in the church. We're going to get to shouting territory in a minute. Watch this. Verse uh, 9. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the what? Old man. Your old soul. Say old soul. You got to go. Say it again. Say old soul. You got to go. Right now. Since you put off the old man, that old soul, mind, thoughts, will and emotions, with his deeds and have put on the new man. Say reset. You put on the new man who's renewed in what? Knowledge. Where did you get that knowledge? Let's go back to where we started. Jeremiah 23, 4. Right here. In church. So the reason I'm coming to church is so I can get new knowledge so I can become a new me. I'm not just trying to medicate the old me. Watch this. No, I'm not just trying to manage the misery that I have had. What I am doing is getting knowledge so that I can become new. Does your neighbor say become new? Do not lie to one another. Verse 10, and have put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created you and to put on the new man. Now, you're still the old man, the old soul, which is self-destructive. It'll turn on you if you get offended easily. Easily, you throw temper tantrums, you get passive aggressive, you shut down, explode, or implode. And here's what we'll say that's just how I am. Thank you for someone that was honest today. You know that's what we do. You'll shut down and say, You know, when I start going through things, I just shut down. You're out of order. 
It's quiet in this church. You'll say, you know what? When I, when I get mad, I just, I just cut everybody off. And that's why everybody's cutting you off. Nobody wants to simply be a yo-yo option. That when it's up, you want me. When you're down, you're down. It's quiet in the church. Touch your neighbor and say, stop saying that's just how I am. That's how you were. <clears throat> Paul said in Colossians, take him off. Which means right in the middle of uh, intense situations, stop saying, this is just what I normally do. This is what I'm going to do. Instead, you got to say to yourself, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is disobedient. Give me the other one that's obedient. See, if you won't be obedient, I got to give me an obedient one. <laughs> New monkey. <laughs> Watch this. He says, he says, take that off. He's right in the middle of when you're getting ready to say, and here's, watch this. Because you may not say it out loud, but you said you said to yourself, that's just how I am. You know, when I get mad, I just need to go in the car and drive. And then you complain you don't have gas money. If you stopped all that excessive driving, you sitting here don't even like the mountains. Driving all up 70, going to the mountains. 11 and 12 o'clock at night on them cliffs. Are you here, church? Stop saying that's just how I am. That's who you were. See, you got to be like the United States Postal Service. This is what he mean. When you move into a new home and you get a piece of mail, watch this, that belonged to the former occupant, you're not supposed to open it. You're not supposed to accept it. Instead, you're supposed to write on it, return to sender. Why? That person no longer lives at this address. Which means, watch this, if a reset in your family begins in you, when you start going to your old soul and how you used to handle things, you got to say, reset, and I return this to Simda. I used to shut down, now I talk. I used to cuss everybody out, now I pray. I used to give up, but now I fight. I used to, but that person does not live here anymore. Holler, return to Cinder. Number three, we're talking about resetting your family. What's the first point, church? Accurately define your family. Number two, a reset in my family starts in me. Number three, reset in the right order. Culture says family first. But the Bible doesn't say that, nor does it imply that, nor does it illustrate that principle. In fact, let's look at Jesus' actual words about family. Because here's what some people do. Some people think, people say family first. It's not biblical. Now, I know I just messed with some of y'all sacred cows, but that cow needed to die because that's not biblical. In fact, if you study the Bible, you'll discover that most people made their biggest mistakes because they were listening to failed family members. They went to family that was failed and tried to consult them about how to succeed. They went to family that was cursed and consulted them about how to be blessed. Let's just look at the Bible. Let's see what Jesus said about it. Matthew 10. For I have come, this is Jesus talking, it's in red. For I have come to set a man, verse 35, against his father. A daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his what? Own household. Watch this. If your family is divided over God and church, good. Pick Jesus and church and don't be judgmental and arrogant about it. But if they make it a choice, they better always lose. Don't go to church today, stay home with me. You can go to hell because... I already didn't read the scripture, and if you make it a choice, you got to go. 
now, now, now watch this, because I know this is different than America. But again, America was sold something for advertisers. It works good for advertisers, because watch this. If you, if you follow that principle, you got to buy a house. You buy a house, you got to buy a car. Buy a car, you got to get some kids. Get some kids, you got to go buy baby stuff. Buy some baby stuff. And so now you're just feeding the machine called the American economy. But it is not the biblical picture. It's quiet in the church. Verse 37. He who loves, I want you to read it. One, two, ready to read. Okay, leave that up. What are those relationships? Family relationships. What is he saying? He says, if you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. Now, what does that mean? Is Jesus saying, in fact, old King James says it uses the word hate. Now, hate there doesn't mean hate like you and I think of it. Hate means love less. So in New King James, they cleaned up the translation a bit, and they said, uh, 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 love more than me. Love them more than me. What is he saying? He says, listen, if you think they're before me, you don't deserve me. If they can make you put me on the back burner, you don't deserve me. If they can make you adjust your schedule for them, but you won't adjust it for me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So let's look at Luke 14, 26, because here he says it a little stronger. Luke 14, 26, because you got to reset in the right order. If you, if you go in there thinking family first, you're out of order. No, it's got kingdom first. And you have to teach that to everybody around you, and you have to teach that to your children. And they need to know, don't come to me talking about nothing on no Sunday. Don't come to me talking about nothing on no Wednesday. Don't, I don't even want, that's not a discussion because my life is built around him. I'm not trying to tell him to build his thing around my life. It's quiet in the church. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not, you read it. Hate, which in Greek just means love less. His father and mother, wife and children. My kids are my everything. They're going to turn on you. And when they do, just remember this verse. They'll have a day where they start smelling themselves. And sometimes you just have to stand back as a parent and just watch them do their little thing and all that and just stand over here and say, you'll be back after a while. Why? Train them up in the way they should go. That when they grow old, they will not depart from that. They may get prodigal for a while. They may venture off for a while, but they'll be back around. I think I have some parents that are some witnesses to that. My child is my everything. My child is my sun, my moon, my rain, my stars, my everything and more. Okay. Good luck with that. Verse. He said, verse, he said, uh, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, also his own life cannot be my disciple. Leave the verse up. Here's what he's saying. Notice what he says. He says, your life has to be subordinate to my will. Do you see this? He says, if anyone comes to me and does not love less, that's what hate means there in Greek, language of our New Testament, his father, mother, wife, and children, brother and sister, yes, his own life also. He can't even be my student. Forget sons and daughters. He can't even be my student because he doesn't understand the basic premise of order. What's order? The proper arrangement of things. It's quiet, church. So I've heard all kind of preachers get up and all kind of people say, it's God in your wife. That is not what the book says. It's God and then your kid. That is not what the book says. Matthew 6.33, it's the kingdom. 
What's the kingdom? It's how God does things. It's God's modus operandi. Who God said you could be, what God said you could have. Let me make it real plain for you. What does this mean practically, Bishop? If I love God, Jesus said, do what I say. If you love me, do what I say. Which means proof that I love him is I make what's important to him. Which means, watch this, in every area of my life, that's first. Which means, watch this, if it comes down to you need $100 and I need to pay my tithes, you ain't getting no $100. Why? Kingdom first. You see it? If it comes down, if it comes down to you need me to run to your rescue because you always getting in trouble, compared to me making sure I don't miss some instructions from the house, I'll get there after I get my instructions. It's the Bible, y'all. Did you see it? So you want to be a Christian, right? Like Jesus. Well, let's just look at what Jesus said. Now, there's one thing that should be first, and I've talked to this before. That's the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33. To put family first is to, is to put what they want more important than what he wants. And Jesus said in John 14, 23, if you love him, do what he says. Say, Lord, I love you. Okay, great. So we got to do what he says. Now, here's, watch this. You'll know you're dealing with something demonic if you hear stuff like this. You at church all the time. And the truth is, no, you're not. But it's funny. They didn't say that to you when you're at the club. They didn't say that to you when you were doing drugs. They didn't say that to you when you're at the, at the bar. They didn't say that to you when you're out there running them streets. There's something wrong in a region when people tell their kids they're at church too much. There's something wrong with people when they tell folks you love God too much. Something's wrong with you if you think that. He's out there on that stuff. They wasn't saying nothing to you. Whatever your stuff was. Look at your neighbors and wink at them. Just say, you had your stuff. Your stuff may not have been narcotic. Your stuff may have been in a bottle. It may not have been in a bottle. It may have been in a tub of Ben and Jerry's. Y'all not saying that. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Seven more days. Amen. Or no, six. <laughs> Won't it get okay? okay. Let me just tell you what's gonna happen on midnight. This is I'm totally digressing from the message, and I gotta I gotta quit. Uh, So at midnight, y'all know I typically don't like eating after six. It was part of my health regimen change and all that to transition from big bishop to slim fit bishop. You got pastors all over the country calling me now, bishop. How you do this? How you do this? How you do this? And one pastor called me the other day and he kept calling, kept calling. I said, yes, sir. What is it? I I, you keep calling. He said, can I eat this chicken wrap before six? He said, it's 557. I'm finna get on a plane. Is it okay if I eat it right now? I said, yes, sir. Eat the chicken wrap. <laughs> okay, it's fine. <laughs> now, now watch this. But, but on Saturday at midnight, I know y'all think I'm supposed to be praying and just caught up in the third heaven. I'm going to be eating. And you tell me what I'm going to eat. Cheese sandwiches. <laughs> Covered with extra bacon and mochis. I'm just, just having fun. I'm just being funny, church, okay? Doesn't ever say have fun at church. Okay, watch this. Watch this. When you keep God first by making what's important to God important to you, watch this, and this brings us to the fourth and last point. Other relationships will often auto-correct. And you'll become good at everything else. You'll become a good mother, father, husband, brother, wife, etc. If you and if you reverse the order, you're gonna fail at both. If you try to be a better mother before you're a better Christian, you're going to fail at both. If you try to be a better husband before you're a better Christian, you will fail at both. If you try to be a better son before you're a better Christian, you will fail at both. 
If you reverse the order, you will fail at both. Let me prove it to you. How many of you in your life, you started putting God on the back burner for some man or some woman, then the relationship failed in your face, and then you felt far from God. You failed at both. You will fail at both if you reverse the order. Let me tell you, and I don't care how long you try to make it last, I don't care how many keys sweat, make it last forever. I don't care how much you play. I don't care how much you sit up and how much you go to the movies and how much you write love notes and how much you text and everything else. It will fail because God says, I will have no man before me. I'll have no woman before me. No idols before me. This brings us to the first point. Okay, what was point number one, church? Accurately define your family. Number two? Reset my family starts to me. Number three, reset in the right order. So don't go off after hearing this message and get all crazy with it. Tell me, we're taking a sabbatical from church because I just got to focus on my family. Your family about to fail. Let me just go on and tell you. Now, let me go and prophesy your next few months to you. It'll fail, and when it fails, you'll come back and say, Bishop, you were right, and I'll say, I know. Okay, reset in the right order. Put things in their proper order. When you put things in their proper order, you'll automatically become better at everything else, which brings us to the fourth point. Don't let anybody outlove the people you love. Once you've defined family, once you've reset in you, got it? And then once you have been clear that you're resetting in the proper order, things are in their proper arrangement, then don't let anybody outlove the people you love. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Say, be nice. It's amazing because sometimes folk are mean. Uh, sometimes folk are mean. I says, love as brothers. Now, I've taught you this before. Why does he say brothers? Because brothers can fight, and then once they finish fighting and cleaning up, let's go eat. Don't say that again. Sisters, when sisters fight, those fights will last for decades. Y'all not saying nothing. Some of y'all, watch this, some of y'all today are fighting over stuff from the 70s. I still don't like how Leroy took you to the prom over me. He was my date first. When sisters fight, they, they will carry that stuff. And watch this, and you watch this, and they learn how to be good fakers. So that girl hey child she gonna sit up here and smile all in my face I still remember what she did gonna tell mama I was the one that opened the door last night it's new good dog on well it wasn't me to open the door I got a whooping for that what does the bible say love like brothers be tender hearted courteous (laughs) not returning evil for evil you hit me and I'll hit you back. That's what we think. The Bible says, you hit me and I'll hit you. Okay, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no. So, 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 so. <laughs> no. Now, when the Bible says turn the other cheek, let me just be clear. That doesn't literally mean you just let somebody beat on you. Just so don't ever get that twisted. Just say, oh, I just took a beating for Jesus. No, better call the police. Y'all not saying nothing. It literally means when it says turn the other cheek, it means look at it from another perspective. So what he's saying here is he's not talking about literal hitting. He's saying whenever there's a dispute, change your perspective. Turn the cheek to see it their way. 
that make sense? Just, just since we're there. All right. Don't return evil for evil. Insult for insult. So they say, you ain't smart. And you say, well, you, you don't look good. But that ain't what you were saying last week. Well, you know, and then all is here. It's quiet, church. I can't stand you. I can't stand you. You make me sick. You make me sicker. <laughs> okay, so what? He says, <laughs> now, y'all are laughing, but you know good and doggone well. There's been situations in your life where we've returned evil for evil. Evil means contrary to and reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, what does he say? Blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Don't let anybody, hear me, church, uh, say the people I love cannot be outloved by anybody else. So don't let anybody out compliment, out encourage, out give to, out love the people you love because that's your family. How do we do that practically, Bishop? It's real simple. Say about it. Somebody say, here's the reset. Fix things fast with the people you love. You know why people don't fix things? It's because they don't love. So I mean, like, I just don't know why so-and-so just believed that and wouldn't even say nothing to me. They don't love you. That's why. If they love you, they'd fix it. Let me prove it to you. When Excel messed up on your bill, they called to get that money. So they know how to confront. They know how to communicate when they want something. They didn't say anything because it wasn't important. It's quiet, church. With people you love, fix things fast with them. So says Ephesians 4.26. He says, be angry and do not sin. Here's the principle. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. What does that mean? You got 24 hours to have a discussion about it, but you better not go to sleep on it. Now, there's practical reasons. Leave the verse up for a moment. There's practical reasons for that. One, if you die in your sleep with unforgiveness, Amen. it's getting hot where you at. <laughs> it's going to be hot. Now, look, verse Leave it up for a moment. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your ass. So there's a very pragmatic reason there. If you go to sleep with unforgiveness, that means anything you've asked for forgiveness for, you've not been forgiven for, which means you'll die in an unforgiven state. Touch your neighbor and say, it is not worth that. Now, I need you to catch this because some of y'all got some unforgiveness that you keep going to sleep on. And before this day is out, you need to get that handle because you don't want to go to sleep and wake up in eternity and discover you died with unforgiveness. Because what is the only thing that can prevent there being forgiveness for you? Or being forgiveness for you is unforgiveness. So there's a pragmatic reason. But number two, his point was, is do not let things linger. Resist the temptation to think that avoidance fixes anything and resist the urge to ignore the issue. Let's just talk about this at the end of the week. So it can boil? I'm just in my emojis right now. Well, you need to grow up and come up out of them so we can have an adult conversation. Commit to communicate. Say, no one will outlove who I love. So to do this pragmatically, we commit to communicating better because a better communicator improves your life overnight because opposed to trying to fix others, it fixes you. See, whenever there's conflict with those you love, there's normally an issue under the issue. So you have to ask yourself, what am I really blank about? What am I really mad about? What am I really angry about? What am I really sad about? What am I really cussing about? What am I really fussing about? What am I really throwing stuff around about? What am I really slamming counters? I just got home and I'm slamming kitchen counters. You ain't even supposed to be in the cereal counter. 
you just opening stuff to slam it. Looking in there trying to see if it's going to be some new fast qualifying food. No, literally, you've seen yourself do it. You didn't open that Frigidaire looking like it's going to be some new stuff in there since the last time you opened it. That's fast. <laughs> Y'all not saying nothing. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Watch this. You got to communicate by asking questions. When you love, say no one will outlove who I love. Come on, 915, talk to me like an army. Say no one will outlove who I love. When you love, you don't communicate by saying, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. You ain't got nothing to say. Well, you just tried and convicted me. I don't even know what, what. Aren't we at sentencing now? Instead, when you love, touch your neighbor and say, if you love me, this is how you'll do it. You ask questions. You don't make accusations because when you accuse people, you will offend people, which will cause people to defend their position even if they're wrong. Let me prove it to you. You ever gone in and said to somebody, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and it's because you don't care. Then that you've offended them, so now they're going to dig their, even if they're wrong, they're going to dig their heels in because now you're like, now they're ready to fight. Not literally. Literally, you call the popo. Popo is an urban colloquialism for the local police department. 5-0. Okay, now, now watch this. Watch this. Touch your neighbor and say, don't accuse. So when you love, you don't accuse. Instead, it goes something like this. You know, when you, um, when you um, drove right past me and looked at me and didn't say nothing to me, did you see me? Now, you laugh at that. But you laugh at that. But watch this. There are people who you look right at them. And although you were looking at them, you looked past them and didn't see them. So now they're like, I can't believe that person. They're supposed to be a Christian. They're supposed to love God, love people, love life, and they didn't even say nothing to me. And the reality is, is that's not even what happened. But watch this. When you make accusations, you will offend. And when you offend people, people will defend their position, even if they're wrong. And your emotional filters will make you misunderstand someone because you're not listening. You're linking. Remember, we talked about that. So, so watch this. You'll be like, well, we need to talk. We need to talk because, you know, because and then you come up with all this stuff and, and then you'll start linking. It's not even about what it's about. It's about something that you never resolved from years ago. This happens in families. This happens in marriages. This happens in friendships. This happens in business. This happens in church. This happens everywhere. Why? Because people are everywhere. Wherever there are people, there are problems. <laughs> that is life. Stop thinking, well, I just thought there wasn't going to be no problems because so-and-so's a Christian. They probably got some more. Wherever there's people, there's problems. But when you're a good communicator, you can navigate through those problems and you can hit. I got two disobedient. There you go. Now you're going to obey today. Y'all seen Command Your Week where it just be going off on its own? <laughs> now, now, now watch this. You can't learn nor listen if you're talking. So I just gave you some real pragmatic things about how to communicate with people, okay? Because a lot of the stuff you just said, oh, the devil's attacking. No, you just don't know how to communicate. Oh, the devil's just trying to come against my family. No, all of y'all break down, implode, throw temper tantrums, act a fool, and then come out and then, and then like, you know, why don't you love me? Why don't you, you know? 
We just had a, a, a Royal Rumble of uh, Worldwide Wrestling. Ain't that what it called? We just had the Royal Rumble. And now you're sitting up here talking about, come on, let's talk. I love you. I got the heel from all of the shots you just gave. And you heal faster because you was doing the shoot. You wasn't taking no bullets. So you're like, I don't understand what the problem is. Well, the problem is, is I'm still cleaning up my wounds. You didn't get wounded because you came in here with all these accusations. Okay. So, so say reset, my family. Okay, so, so I wanted to slow the message down so that we got it. I'm done. Point number one is accurately define your family. Okay, number two, because you don't need to reset with those that are just relatives. You want to reset with your family. Number two, a reset in my family starts in me. Say it starts in me. Number three, we reset in the right order. You got it? We got to make sure things are in order because if you reset and it's out of order, you'll fail at both. That's just the way it works. You will fail at both. You want to be a better husband? Be a better Christian first. And then you'll automatically improve in many of those issues that you have. See, because the more you become like Christ, the more stuff self-corrects. Does that make sense? The more you get molded in his image, then there's stuff that just self-corrects. And then finally, number four, don't let anybody outlove the people you love. Which means when there's problems, no, we're not waiting until next week. We're not, no, we're going to handle this right here and right now. So you count to 10, rub your ear, woosaw, do whatever you got to do, because we're going to fix this today. Because by the time the sun goes down, I need to be, watch this, here it is, I'll shout you. By the time the sun goes down, we don't need to be having fights, we need to be commanding today. By the time the sun goes down, we need to be getting a hold of the week before the week gets a hold of us. Getting a hold of the day before the day gets a hold of us. We can't fight the enemy if we're busy fighting one another. Instead, you get my back, I got your back, and we'll fight out here versus fighting one another. Touch your neighbor and say, don't let them outlove you. All right, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Today, if you're in this worship experience, now remember, next worship experience, I'm going somewhere totally different. So I hope you got it. 9.15. And those at the 11.15, they'll have to get to 9.15. Today, if you're in this worship experience and you, you can be seated and you never give your life to Jesus Christ, I got good news for you. There's forgiveness for you. Say, so there's forgiveness for me. 2,000 years ago, God stepped in the body. That body was called Jesus. That body died on the cross called Calvary, Golgotha's Hill. Golgotha was the place of Adam's skull, which means when Jesus shed his blood on Calvary, on Golgotha, he was literally shedding his blood and undoing what the first Adam did, which is why Jesus is called the last Adam. Meaning Jesus gave us access again to Eden. What's Eden? The land of voluptuous living. What's all that mean, Bishop? Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. All is well. Jesus gave us access to that. Today, if you've never become a Christian, today's your day. Bishop Foreman, I made a bunch of mistakes. God wouldn't love me. No, you're exactly who he loves. Bishop, Bishop Foreman, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't possibly be a Christian. I couldn't possibly come to church. You, all, you know all the stuff I've done. Can I tell you, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. They're dead. And all things become new. You may have done everything they said you did and some more. And it's probably some stuff they don't even know you did. But I got good news for you. There's no place too low the blood of Jesus cannot flow. And even when you feel like a big failure, a big mess up, whatever, I'm here to tell you he still loves you. And he loves you with an unconditional love. Unconditional love doesn't mean unconditional acceptance of everything we do. It just means that he loves us in spite of and he'll love us until. We get to come just as we are. And what I love about him is we won't stay that way. 
because his word will begin to radically transform us. Secondly, if you give your life to Jesus, but you've not been faithful, I got good news for you. There's forgiveness for you. You know what? Sometimes when you think something's too good to be true, you can drift from it simply because you have a complex within you that says, if it's good, maybe I don't deserve it. And I'm going to tell you, he thinks you're worth dying for. I'm going to tell you, even despite all of your mistakes and failures, and I've made a ton, you've made a ton, we've all had a ton. The good news is, is that he forgives us. The good news is, is that he loves us. He's the God, not of a second chance. He's the God of a, another chance. So today, if you need to become a Christian and recommit yourself to Jesus on the count of three, I want you to throw your hands up. And when you do, we're going to shout and celebrate for you because we were all one standing in that same place. And if he forgave us, he will forgive you. If he loves us, he loves you. If you're not sure, be sure today. Don't come to church and leave and not be sure. Be sure today. At Harvest, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to beat you. We're not going to throw you down. We're going to love you and love you to life. One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand there. Wherever you at, wherever you at, wherever you at. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Harvest. Thank God for the hands here and the hands online and everywhere else. Now, real quick, lay your hands on yourself and say this to me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief, because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I'm reconnected to you. Great things are ahead of my life. I'm in a reset, creating new beginnings. I'm excited about life. I'm excited about the reset happening in me that will affect my family. No one will outlove who I love. Give me the grace to communicate better. Give me the grace to ask questions instead of make accusations. In Jesus' name, amen. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.